Okay, praise the Lord. Peace. Something we all enjoy when we get to enjoy it. Peace. There's a peace that falls over the people of God whenever they recognize that He absolutely is in control. That word peace is found 429 times in 400 passages of the King James Version of the Bible. And we're going to read each and every one of them today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but compare that to the word saved, which occurs 104 times in 104 verses. I mean, we hear about being saved or the phrase born again, which is found three times in as many passages. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's in John chapter 3 and verse 3. In John chapter 3, verse 4 is when this uh, fellow says, well, what do you mean? Like, how can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And in verse 5 through 7, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. See, each and every one of us is born in turmoil in the world. And to be born again is to be brought out of that turmoil into the everlasting peace of Almighty God. And that doesn't mean that we get to experience peace here every moment of our lives. In fact, we know those of us who have lived for any amount of time realize that peace is not always to be had on this side of eternity. We're reborn by His work that reconciled us to our Creator. He made peace with us. He made peace for us with God. And that peace goes beyond this life into eternity. Indeed, it is everlasting, eternal peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Move over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love. It's a wonderful old hymn. We need to sing that one of these Sundays. There's a peace that comes over me when I sing it. Whenever we were out shopping with our children one time, oh, they were probably young teenagers. Now, you know how young teenagers are. You can embarrass them really easy. Well, I started singing that as we're going through Walmart, okay? It just started bursting forth from me, and my kids were sh kind of shrinking down and hiding. Oh, Dad, why is Dad got to sing all the time? It just naturally comes out of me because I have that peace that passes understanding. It's God's peace. Now, am I always calm? Am I always peaceful? No. My wife will confirm that. If you want to know for sure, she'll tell you. No, John is not always at peace. 
Things get hectic. Things get crazy sometimes where you can't imagine all these different things that are happening. Just this morning, for example, I had text message after text message after text message from different people that needed particular things or wanted to discuss things. And I don't say, well, hey, I'm too busy to talk to you right now. I just answer them. And I said, Lord, I've got a half a dozen things that are going on here, and I need to get to them. If you could just help me get through this, I'd really appreciate it. And I looked at the clock, and it was 10.08. And I said, I've got plenty of time. I can do this. And then that peace came over me. Peace. Peace. That word peace is found from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, we learn where God, speaking to Abram, before he renamed him Abraham, He's speaking to Abram, and he tells him, Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. That's not a message that most people want to hear, right? We're going to be dying. But he told Abram, you're going to go in peace, and you're going to rest in peace. And this was a promise that God gave to Abram. And He gives that to all of the descendants of Abram, whether they are physical descendants or they are spiritual descendants. We know that all of us who come into the covenant with God through Christ, we are the descendants spiritually of Abram. And that peace follows down to each of us. In Numbers chapter 6, it's written, a blessing. It's one that some ministers use to close every service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace. Peace be with you. And then in Revelation chapter 6, the word peace occurs, but it's not in a good context. It's in a negative context. It's written, there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. This refers to the second horseman of the horseman of the apocalypse. It refers to war, bloodshed. And I'm wondering if we're not living in the time foretold. I really am wondering that, folks. We live in a culture of wars shedding innocent blood of children and the infirm and elderly. This is a time when we see prophecy being fulfilled, and maybe we just don't recognize it, because the peace on earth is not to be found in a great way. And so we need to have something to hold on to, and that which we have as followers of Christ is, in fact, Christ Himself, the giver of peace the maker of peace between us and Almighty God. We must always remember that no matter what the world brings, God made a way of peace between His creation and Himself. Peace. Wonderful peace. Now, we're going to take God's Word open to the 10th chapter of Acts. If you want to open up the Bible there in your seat, you can find that on page 16. 97, and uh, we're going to put it up on the screen, but I think before we go there, page 1697, I think what we're going to do, though, is we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, 
I thank You, Lord, for giving us peace. Peace between us and You. Peace by the sacrifice of Christ. Peace in the midst of turmoil. Peace in the midst of trials, tribulations, and troubles. I thank You, Father, that You would use me. I ask that You would give me unction. I surrender completely to You for Your use today. That the hearers, those who are within the sound of my voice, whether it be in this room or by the electronic means that are available to us today, that each one, Lord, would be brought into that place of peace. Open our ears to hear what You speak through Your Word, and open our eyes to see, I pray in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to look beginning at verse 34 and uh, read through verse 43. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, now this is Peter the apostle who was known for cussing. This is Peter the apostle who had lopped off somebody's ear a little later on. This is Peter the apostle who was a big burly fisherman. And Peter opens his mouth. He's not an eloquent man. He's not a man who was a preacher, but God would use him to present the gospel. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. This is the New Testament that calls for people to work righteousness and fear God. The Word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That Word which you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Yahashua of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit. Who anointed Him with the Holy Spirit? God, right, and with power. And who went this one we call Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Who was with him? God was with him. Okay. Uh, and we are all witnesses of the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him, speaking of Christ, God raised up on the third day. Who raised him up? God, okay, all right, and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God. Who chose the witnesses? God, okay, all right, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God, who ordained him by God, who, who ordained him? God ordained him, okay, uh, who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And then the Holy Spirit fell on everybody. Father, please open your word to us today. God was with him. <clears throat> And he had great peace. He was enabled to do everything that he was called to do because he had God with him. 
God is with us. He says so. In fact, Christ himself said, we will come and make our home with you. Acts, there we hear that Peter, this non-eloquent man, preached the gospel. Kind of reminds me of myself. I wasn't supposed to be able to speak, especially not publicly. But God took me and He turned me into what He wanted me to be, to do what He wanted me to do. And that gives me great peace. Because I know that if He can use me, He can use any of you to do what He wants you to do. And I'm not going to go into my testimony, but I'll tell you this, folks. If you knew everything about me, you might not want to sit in these pews. Seriously. I am a sinner. I have sinned grievously before Almighty God, and still He uses me. I'm not staying in that sin. I've come out of it. I'm not remaining in it and thinking that just because I have the grace of God that I can stay there. No, I've come out of it. But He gave me grace to get out of it. And if you're stuck in any sin, He can get you out of that, whatever it is. And that's where the peace comes, in knowing that He has the power to overcome everything that you don't have the power to overcome. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's written, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace. Who's our peace? Christ is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that as to create in himself one new man from the two, those who were the children of Abraham and those who were not. He brought them together. Well, spiritually, now we are descendants He promised Abram that he was going to have descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sands on the sea or on the seashore. That's us. We're a part of that. He made peace, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. No more enemies of God when we come together in Christ. We have peace. And you, it's written in Colossians chapter 1, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, and like Paul, I, John, became a minister. We were all enemies. We had no peace with God. But Christ came and He made that peace possible. Therefore, it's written in Romans chapter 2, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. Those who are living in sin, he's referring to, If you're doing it, you can't judge somebody else who's doing it. And do you think 
This, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? You see, there were a lot of righteous, self-righteous people at that time, and Christ was preaching to those, or Paul was preaching to those people. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with the hardness and with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. And that's in the New Testament. And there are those who say, God doesn't render to each one for his deeds. But the New Testament tells us he does. That's just a side note. Eternal life to those who, by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Now, you see there, he doesn't give an excuse for living unrighteous lives. Do you want peace with God? Live a righteous life. This is what he's saying. Those who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they're storing up indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. Every. He doesn't say a few or some, or except if you say a little prayer. He says every who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. We don't get a pass because we said a little prayer. We don't get a pass because somehow somebody told us that we can go on sinning. We may not go on sinning expecting that we have the grace of God taking us into everlasting peace. That is not what God's Word says. And in Romans, just a little further along in chapter 8 and verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And how shall they preach unless they're sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You see, it is peace that all of us want. And we will not have complete and total peace on this side of eternity. But it is promised that we will have eternal peace. Many of the passages that use the word peace are greetings of peace in an epistle or a letter to a, a different church, or sometimes it's in the conclusion. In some of those conclusions, I'm going to read at the conclusion of this message. See, this was a common greeting or a benediction, peace be unto you, peace be unto you. The Hebrew word shalom is repeatedly used to convey the idea of completeness in our covenant relationship with God. Peace with God. And the consummation of our uniting with our Creator for eternity will bring complete peace and safety. Remember, there is a wedding at the end of the Bible. And we're all invited. As the bride. I know that's hard for us guys to imagine being a bride, right? Or being a part of the bride. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me and going, oh. We are. We're part of the bride. And the consummation of that relationship 
is that we will have peace and safety. A major part of the blessing of everlasting life is eternal peace. Our life with Almighty God will be peaceful. No more strife. How many of you have strife in your life? My arm jumped right up trying to go to the ceiling. No more strife. But you know, everlasting peace with our Creator comes through Christ, Christ alone. Behold, it's written in Malachi chapter 3, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. In other words, he's going to clean you up. Okay? That's what he's saying. Who can stand when he appears? He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver so that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. You know, somebody once said that the, the silversmith, he knew the silver was pure when he could see his reflection in the hot metal. You see, and this is what God is doing to us. He's cleaning us up. He's purifying us. He's refining us. We're being transformed. We're being renewed. We're being reborn. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years, and I will come near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Does that mean we open the gates and let everybody in? No. Because there are enemies without who would come in to try to harm in any country. This is why they have gates at the city walls. That's why we have borders. Until we have peace on earth, we have to have borders. We have to have boundaries. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's written, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And that reconciliation is the process of making peace. We have peace with God through Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, that's what we preach, reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. Be at peace with God. Now then, when we are ambassadors for Christ, and as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Put away all of that stuff that keeps you from being in the presence of God. It's simple. And God's Word is true. We must not forget that being reconciled to God does not mean everything will be smooth and peaceful on earth. 
Remember what's written in Matthew chapter 10. Our Lord said, you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. Enduring to the end is a part of the process of being saved. And there's a lot of people that skip that part. They don't like that part. They like to ignore that part. They tell people that isn't true, but Christ himself said it was true, so I've got to go with what he says. I have to, because his word is true. Every man can be a liar, but I trust his word. Blessed are you when men hate you, though. See, and this is what we have to remember them. In order to keep the peace, if somebody is, hey, if we're hating us, and we're enduring that, he said, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you and cast you out, cast your name out as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. <laughs> leap for joy. <laughs> that really makes me laugh when I think about it. I'm being persecuted. Woohoo! Leap for joy. That's <laughs> well, not usually what we do, is it? But that's what the scripture says. Jump up and down and say, Thank you, Lord. You trust me to endure this. I don't like to do that. No, I like to make it stop. But he says, Leap for joy. For indeed, ah, and here's why he wants you to leap for joy. Your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. He said, you will be persecuted. It's going to happen. But remember, remember that when people hate you and cast out your name, that you're to leap for joy. And when all who desire to live godly, he says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will will suffer persecution. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, we have peace with God, but not necessarily here. Because lawlessness will abound, it's written in Matthew chapter 24, this is our Lord speaking, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That's the second time that he says it, and it's written in Matthew's gospel record. That's the testimony of two witnesses. And by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And so we know that when he says, shall be saved, that that is a future event. It is not a now event. We're saved from our sin. We're saved from temptation. If, in fact, we call upon the name of the Lord, we can resist the devil and he will flee. We have that power. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You see, Scripture does reveal trouble, tribulation, trials for believers, but few will preach this truth today. I could easily pull some cotton candy out of this book for you. I can give you all the sweet stuff. But if I don't give the whole counsel to you, you are ill-equipped to deal with the reality of this world. You need to know, yes, God is with you. Yes, you have peace with God. Yes, you have strength by the power of Christ that resides within you. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. If, in fact, He indwells you, you have that power upon you to use to His glory. Yes, all those things are true. Yes, but that doesn't mean that the world is going to just jump on board with you and say, okay, well, you're God's now. I got to treat you right. No, that's not the way it works. And the scriptures are clear about that. We have to remember what's written in Philippians chapter four. 
be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You see, this is why we give our thanks to God. This is why we praise God. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Do you want the peace of God? Okay, you want the peace of God. Let's go back. Be anxious for nothing, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue in anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And too often God's people are meditating on just the opposite of what God says to meditate on. we got to cut that stuff out, folks. We need to cut it out. We need to cut it out because that is destroying the body of Christ. There's too many poor reports out there. There's too many lies, falsehoods, too many things that are not noble, that are unjust, that are impure, that are ugly, things that are not virtuous and things that are not praiseworthy that we're focusing on. And we need to turn our focus back to God if we want the peace of God that passes understanding. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, people just like us, says these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want peace? Do what he says. Follow his word. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Remember, that's written in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's where our peace comes from and our salvation. Those who are saved in the end are saved from the wrath of God. And this is an aspect of the peace that's spoken of throughout Scripture. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. You see, there is a place of no return, folks, where you will not find peace. If you keep turning from God, you don't get peace. You've fallen away from that, and the possibility is eliminated. And there are many passages of Scripture that provide that information. It's not just this one. But I'm going to wrap it up. And I don't want to leave you with a down note. 
Because you do have peace if, in fact, you turn to God. You do have peace if, in fact, you are being saved by Him through Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you, not let you go. The Lord make His face to shine upon you, light your way, be gracious to you, and He is. He forgives us our trespasses in the manner in which we forgive those who trespass against us. And that's a series of sermons there. There's lots of passages of Scripture to let us know that. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May that be true. And may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. And may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, Christ made peace for us with God. And that peace goes beyond this life into eternity. Indeed, it is everlasting, eternal peace. And that peace is the eternal blessing of God for all who truly believe. And so then the question becomes, like our Lord asked Mary, do you believe? Because if you do, you have that peace. And that's what I want for all of you. I want you to have that peace that passes understanding. That even those strifes, if that's the correct way to say it, that are in your lives would be smoothed over. That you would have the peace of God that passes understanding. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Move over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord. We thank You for that great peace which You have brought upon this world through Christ our Lord. Please, Father, help us to avail ourselves of the peace that You provide. In turbulent times, in perilous times, in troubling times, Lord, we need Your peace. Set us free from anxiety. Help us to obey the Scripture that says, Be anxious for nothing. And Lord, I preach this to myself. Enable us and empower us to avail ourselves of the peace that only You can provide. And all of God's people said, Amen.